0: Wonderful Savior, I know for sure.
1: Thank you ladies well, that song goes real good with what we're going to talk about today we're not going to talk about the potter but we are going to talk about the fact that he molds us and maybe touch on how he does that take your bibles if you would look at luke chapter 4 please luke chapter 4 beginning in verse 1 luke chapter 4 we're going to read through verse 14 today <clears throat> again we uh are excited about uh, the next couple months in so many different ways. One of the ways, of course, our missions conference, our ladies' advance is another. And then, of course, we have, um, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that, by the way, ladies. I really do. Uh, I know everybody's life is busy. I I really know that. I'm aware of that. I I don't know if anybody's going to be much busier than myself and the staff over the next few weeks, months. Uh, But there are some things we have to take time for. And some of those things, one of those things is our personal growth. You've got to realize that if you do not grow in Christ, then all of the other activity you perform and all the other activity you permit in your life is really of no value. I want you just to picture yourself standing before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. I want you to picture yourself looking him in the face and saying, I didn't have time to grow. All I could do was take care of my business. I want you to understand that that is nothing compared to what it will really be like when we stand before the Lord. To say that we don't have time to read this book, to study the scriptures, to pray, to attend the house of God, to be a part of other activities that are specifically designed to equip us for our Christian life and journey, unless it is an absolute impossibility, I would make sure... I was investing in myself. Because if others are willing to, I certainly ought to be. And so I want to encourage you to do that. You say, well, the only reason you care about that is because your wife's in charge. Well, I promise you, promise you this. Nobody more than me wishes somebody would step up and take charge of that so that I could have my wife back for two months. She studies for two solid months, day and night, to make this happen. I would be glad for someone to say, I will go from point A to Z, taking care of all the details, reaching out to all the people, taking care of all the the material, approving it all through you, getting it all taken care of, preacher. I'd be glad to do all that work. I'd be glad to say, Sherry, guess what? You get to sit this one out. She would fight me on it because she loves being a part of it all. But I'm telling you, that is, has nothing to do with my encouragement of you investing in yourself. I promise you that. I, I want you to do that. Gentlemen, we have in November the men's conference coming up. And uh, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Man, it's an opportunity to invest in yourself. Don't let that go. I have no, 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 nothing to do with that. I'm thankful for that. We get on a bus, head down there, and enjoy it. And I want you to be a part of it, all right? If you're able, at all able, please invest in yourself. One day at the judgment seat, you'll be glad you did. I promise you that. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 14. I trust that some of you men uh, will make sure you're a part of the work schedule too, Monday through Fridays, every day. 8 to 4 will be there for you if you need to be there, if you'd like to be there. And then in the evenings, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, will be there till 8 o'clock. So... Uh, just uh, again we trust that you'll make it a part of your schedule I know it's a sacrifice but if we are going to get into the buildings as scheduled or as we hope it will not happen with the crew that we're working with okay so we really need your help if you're able to help please step up I don't know what you'll be doing it could be any be a servant folks I'm just gonna ask you now be a servant don't come there with preconceived ideas well I won't do certain things I only do this well, show up at least, see what, if you can't do it, it's one thing. But if you come with an attitude I won't do, you might want to just stay home. That's just a reality, okay? We're all just servants. Right. We're right. just right. servants, okay? Right. So let's come ready to work and ready yeah. to do whatever. If it's just push a broom, praise God I'm here, and I'll push a broom till Jesus comes. <laughs> Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 14. I hate pushing brooms there, it's so dusty, it's really a bad job. But anyway... that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, shewed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for what is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. When the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. In our passage, of course, we have the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is certainly our great example, is he not? In this particular passage, the Bible says in verse 1, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know... The Bible tells us that Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. The fact is, is that when you and I were saved, when you and I were indwelt with the Spirit of God as a child of God, when we cried upon, cried unto Jesus Christ, I'm ringing again, brother, can you fix me? But as we were, as we were brought to Christ, as we received the Lord Jesus into our life, we, we were indwelt by the person of, of God, the Holy Ghost. He literally took up residency in our heart and in our life. Now, it's important to understand who the Holy Spirit is. In John 14, first of all, uh, we, we note that, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we note that he filled us. I want you to turn to John 14 real quick. Let me slow down a little bit. Sound bothers me. Those things affect me. Now, it's sounding really good, by the way, brother. You did a great job. I couldn't believe how quickly you resolved the conflict. It's awesome when conflict is resolved so quickly. Notice what it says here in John 14, because we're going to deal, we're going to see that Jesus had a little conflict here too. John 14, notice this the the fact that the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. In John 16, 13, he says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, it shall be, he, it, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. The fact is, is that when we come to Jesus Christ, when we receive the Lord as our Savior, he literally takes up residency in our heart through the person of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Right. We are led by the Spirit the Bible tells us. He will guide us into all truth. And so we have the same spirit in us that Jesus Christ had as he was led out into the wilderness. Question, who is this spirit then? The identity of the spirit is found in Acts 5. Turn there if you would please. Sometimes we, you know, miss this reality. We we know there's a trinity. We understand that that, that there's a Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost, but sometimes the Holy Spirit's kind of, kind of left out of the equation so often. Notice in Acts 5, 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. Obviously, they had promised to give all that they sold the possession for, and in this case, they kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part... By the way, it's important if you make commitments, you keep them. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men... But unto who? God. Notice just a a couple of verses up, he says, You lied to the Holy Ghost. But when it's all said and done, who did he really lie to? God. You know who the Holy Ghost is? God. God. Again, we know God's a trinity in 1 John 5, 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Again, it's clear that the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, is none other than God himself. So again, as we look back at verse 1 of our passage, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know what we find here? is that God led Jesus into the wilderness. Yes, amen. That's what we see here. God led Jesus into the wilderness. Now, the wilderness that Christ was led into included some pretty uncomfortable things. Let me give you just a couple. One, Satan's adversary was there to face him. So, immediately, he's led into the Spirit by God, mind you. He's just been baptized. He's just, we've seen the dove come out of the sky. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And John says, that's him. That's the Christ. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is led by God into the wilderness. And where there in the wilderness, he meets his adversary face to face, Satan. He is all alone. He doesn't have a friend to lean on. He doesn't have a spouse to trust. He has nobody but him and his father. He's all alone. There was nothing to eat. He had nothing there in the wilderness. His body quickly becoming weak as a result of not having the nutrients and the minerals necessary to sustain life he's getting weaker and weaker in the flesh he was tempted the bible says satan is firing every dart he can to trip to trip the lord jesus christ up he's attacking mercilessly bringing great conflict into the life of the lord Asking him questions, trying to get him to make a decision that would ultimately affect his relationship to the Father, that would ultimately affect his mission on earth, that would ultimately destroy you and I and leave us helpless and hopeless. So in that wilderness that Christ was led into by God, mind you, there was Satan, loneliness, hunger, temptation, conflict, and decisions that had to be made. May I say that when you and I get saved, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God descends upon us, indwells us, and takes up permanent residency in our heart, you can be sure that there's a wilderness experience ahead. You can be sure of it. Just plan on it. Bank on it. Again, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And if certainly... He was led into the wilderness. You can count on Him leading you into the wilderness at some point as well. This idea that God would permit such difficulties in our lives is a foreign theme today in our world. It's a foreign theme even amongst believers. It's not really received too awfully well in the context of even the church. I mean, we are sure, we are positive that a loving God would never permit such difficulties and such suffering to invade our world of comfort and ease and pleasure. But that's not the case at all. That goes contrary to everything we read in this book. I again want you to realize and understand who led him into that wilderness. I want you to be very aware and keenly aware of the fact that It was God who placed him before Satan, who forced him to deal with loneliness, hunger, temptation, conflict, and these difficult decisions that had to be made. It was God that placed him there. How is it that we believe that shouldn't happen to us? Where's that come from? Let's consider Joseph for a moment. Here we have Joseph, a young man, of course, that shows such tremendous promise. And we know that God had touched him in a unique way, and he's having dreams now. And God is revealing to him his promising future. It is as though God has opened up the sky, and he's able to see himself years down the road, and he recognizes The the ultimately the supremacy or the authority that he would once have, that he would one day have. And man, it was just so promising and so encouraging and so uplifting for Joseph. So much so that he began to share his dreams and so much so that he began to tell his brethren and his fathers exactly what God had placed on his heart and the future that he believed God had for him. But with all his dreams and bright future and hope, he found himself at the mercy of his jealous brothers, his envious brothers. Before it was all said and done, Joseph would find himself in a pit. There he would be sold into slavery, where he'd be taken down to Egypt and placed in Potiphar's house as a slave. But even then, that wasn't enough. God permitted... Him to be falsely accused by Potiphar's wife that led him into the depths of prison. So we have this young man who God is obviously working in his life. God is directly linked to him. There's no doubt that God has a plan and purpose, and yet we find him in a pit. We see him in Potiphar's house, and now we watch him in a prison. Being taken advantage of. Welcome to Christianity. Right. That's right. If you'll only say these words. If you'll only repeat this prayer. If you'll only ask Jesus into your heart and life. And trust Him only with your sin. God will take care of you. And He will heal you. And he will help you. And he will meet your need. And you know what's translated in all that? He will fix your marriage. He will fix your home. He will fix your life. He will fix your finances. He'll take care of every problem. And you can just relax. That's how it's perceived often. And sometimes we share it that way because we expect that. But we are so confounded and so confused at times because it doesn't work that way. And as a result of that, we find ourselves looking to God and saying, What's wrong, God? Why are you taking care of me? I've trusted you and I've received you and I've tried to obey you and yet you still permit these things in my life. And We get so upset with God to the point where We've seen them come and go even because their expectations were not reached. Because no one ever told them that God led Jesus into the wilderness. Think about Paul with me, would you please? Consider him. Paul, of course, was... A persecutor of Christians, we understand that his life was in no way pristine prior to coming to Jesus Christ. However, on the road to Damascus, he was met there by the Lord, and his life was supernaturally transformed and changed like yours was if you met him. Uh, But, preacher, the Apostle Paul's experience was so much more dynamic, so much more thrilling so much more powerful than mine no it wasn't no 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 it wasn't you it, 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 there there were some different elements of it but let me tell you the same grace it took to save the apostle paul it took to save you and may i say today that if god saved your soul my friend fireworks went off in heaven Amen. There he meets the Lord Jesus Christ. And it wouldn't be long before some things would begin to happen. Look, if you will, in 2 Corinthians 11. As we look back on the life of the Apostle Paul, a child of God, saved, born again, obedient, yielded to the Spirit. But unfortunately, may I say, well, let me take that back. Not unfortunately, but as a matter of fact he too was led into the wilderness watch what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 24 Paul the apostle relating some experiences of the Jews five times received i 40 stripes save one 40 minus 1 is 39 can you imagine 39 lashes i mean we've all seen some kind of show at some point, that demonstrates similarly what took place in his life. Five times. Notice, thrice, that's three, King James, very hard to understand, was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Now, I don't know about you, but he's already taught my Christian life. In in difficulties and troubles. I'm going to tell you, he's already surpassed me uh, by leaps and bounds here. 26. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst and fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. It seems to me that God led Paul into the wilderness. How did it end for everybody, though? In Joseph's case, in Genesis 50, 20, as he faces his brother and finally at the end of the road, after they'd already deceived him, after he'd already been in slavery, after he'd already found himself in the pit of a prison, and now he finds himself risen to second in command of Egypt, his dreams begin to come true. They are fulfilled. And Joseph looks back on his life in the wilderness Joseph looks back at God's leading and God's hand in his life and says to his brethren, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. I can only imagine what was running through Joseph's mind there as he's in a pit, being sold into slavery by his own flesh and blood. I can only imagine what he's thinking as he's serving in Potiphar's house as a slave, thinking, what in the world am I doing here? I should be back home with my father where I could be helping and taking care of the sheep and working with my brethren and being a part of the family. Why am I here? What's going on? We're never given any indication that he ever said those things or thought those things. So I'm not, I want to be careful that I don't read too much into the story because I do believe that God can give grace to a man or a woman of God who's in the wilderness. I got to believe at some point, too, though, he could have been tempted to think while he was in prison, it's only getting worse. The dream. Come on, the dream. But now, in the end, God did know what he was doing, didn't he? Hey, did did you get that? God did know what he was doing. Paul, how did it end, Paul? Well, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Wait a second, Paul. How did it end? Oh, well, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. i got a crown. A crown of righteousness. That's what's laid up for me. But Paul, your life was filled with and riddled with difficulties and trials and heartache and and suffering. I know, but I'm looking forward to a crown. I've got an eternity to face. I've got an eternity to live. I've got an eternity to serve the master. I'm going to have a crown. He said, it's all worth it. It was worth it. It will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, life's trials will seem so small. When we see Christ, one glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. Do you believe that? Let me tell you something, if you don't believe that, you will get very weary in the wilderness from time to time. Now, there are times you're not in the wilderness. There are times that we're on the mountaintop, but my friend, God will lead you into the wilderness from time to time. So, if we all find ourselves in trouble and difficulty, the wilderness, how should we deal with it? Let me give you three very quick things, because we're virtually out of time here in just a few moments. One, here it is, expect it. What? You're, you're supposed to be telling me how to deal with it. Yeah, that's the first thing you need to do right. in order to deal with difficulties, trials, tribulation, the wilderness. Expect it. That's right. Just expect it. it <clears throat> I could tell you story after story of situations where people didn't expect. You know, you're driving down the road and that car runs a red light and <sniffs> you didn't expect it. Boy, did you get tore up or possibly you were a young person and you happened to be sitting at a football game and somebody just unexpectedly decided to punch you. Sucker punch. That one hurts bad. I'm telling you, the unexpected is what gets us. You need to be expecting this. Why? Job 5, 7. Yet man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. Rest assured, somehow, some way, someday, you're going to be led by God into the wilderness. Expect it. Don't be so surprised when that day comes. Don't be taken, you know, so, wh- what's going on? Why is this happening to me? Oh, God, have you forsaken me? No, he just led you into the wilderness. It's kind of hard sometimes to understand how so many seem surprised when difficulties arise, whether it's their life or the lives of their families. It's amazing to me, to some degree. I mean, we are just sinners saved by grace. We don't deserve anything but hell, but yet it seems that we have an entitlement attitude. It seems we expect God to care for us, meet our every need, and never allow hurt, heartache, or suffering to come into our lives. We really seem to embrace that doctrine that the world and Satan has peddled. The sad part is how often we become bitter toward God for allowing those circumstances into our lives. See, when you don't expect that in your life, you get blindsided. You get sucker punched. And you find yourself asking the wrong questions and blaming the wrong person. See, we only need to flip through a songbook. And we can find song after song after song written as a result of hurt, heartache, suffering in the lives of the saints. Every saint, like Jesus, will be led into the wilderness. At some point. Now, we need to expect it. Number two, we need to examine it. We need to examine this difficulty, this this heartache, this suffering. See, in type, the wilderness represents the rebellious and disobedient life. If you take the time to look at the Word of God and study the Scriptures, you will find that the children of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt, a type of the world. God supernaturally delivered them out of Egypt and across the Red Sea. There that day He delivered them, gave them a great victory in their life that represents salvation. Salvation took place as far as that in that analogy or that type. And from there they were led to Mount Horeb where they received the word of God and God had a plan. And that plan included a place called Canaan where they would victoriously live. In our songbooks and sometimes in even preaching, we're kind of given the idea that Canaan, the land of Canaan is associated or is really a... A name for heaven. But that's not at all what it represents in the Bible. See, when the children of Israel were delivered out of the world or Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, it pictures that salvation took place according to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. And then they, they went on in their journey and they came to the Word of God and were told to go into the promised land, remember that they chose not to obey God. Instead, they rebelled against God's word and against God's purpose and his plan for them as a nation and a people. As a result of that, where did they end up? Not in the land of victory, not in Canaan that was promised to them, but instead in the wilderness. See, Canaan is representative of the victorious Christian life. The spirit-filled life. God permitted them to journey 40 years or wander 40 years because of rebellion and disobedience. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, turn there if you would please, chapter 12, verse 6. that God still deals with his children in a very similar way. In Hebrews twelve six, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. What we're talking about here is that the Lord disciplines, corrects those who are his. If you're a child of God today... Again, this is a topic that is not addressed. It's not spoken of much because it's not the thing we want to hear. But when we fail to obey God's word, just like the Israelites, we will be destined for a wilderness wandering. And we said that in that wilderness, we will find things like Satan, loneliness, hunger, temptation, conflict, and difficult decisions. That is what we are destined for when we fail to obey his word. Now, you say, wait a second, you've been saying that God leads us. Yes, he does. But remember, we're talking now, what do we do in these moments of wilderness? What do we do when we are faced with the wilderness? The difficulties, the trials, the the sufferings that come into our life. We expect it, first of all. Number two, I said we examine it. What do we examine it for, preacher? Well, we examine it because we want to know why are we in the wilderness? Did God lead me there? Or did I do something to end up there? You say, what do you mean? Well, God wants his children safe. He wants to keep us successful even in the Christian life. So when we start to waver or move away from his word and his commit commandments then he tries to kind of rein us back in and he corrects us he disciplines us just like a dad would discipline his own children and he does it for the for the purpose of helping not hurting When you and I are faced with troubles in our lives, we need to determine whether it's a result of God correcting our disobedience and rebellion, or is it God simply permitting that in our lives in order to shape or mold us? See, God wants us to become like Jesus. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we're to be conformed to the image of Christ. He wants us to look, act, and be like His Son, Jesus. Therefore, He permits the wilderness in our life to shape us, to mold us, to temper us. So, we need to examine. God, I expected the wilderness, but now that I'm here, I want to make sure what I'm here for. <laughs> Am I here because I've not been obedient to you and you're trying to protect me and ultimately Rain me back in and enable me to be successful in my Christian life again? Or are you leading me out there to shape and mold me? has nothing to do with my sin, Lord. It's just simply your work in my life to make me like him. Which is it, Lord? So one, expect it. Two, examine it. Finally, three, embrace it. Again, even as God permitted Joseph and Paul to endure certain hardships and trials, and in the end we saw that God knew what he was doing. We need to yield that to Christ. We need to say, it's your call. I'm, I'm willing to follow you no matter where you lead. Understanding that he is purging us tempering us and molding us. See, again, his goal is not pain, but profit. Again, it's not harm, but help. It's not destruction, it's growth. And so, we come to the psalm, chapter 4, verse 1, and the psalmist says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Do you know the psalmist David is saying, when I was out in the wilderness, when troubles were on every side, when I was in distress beyond human ability to be rescued, you enlarged me. You helped me to grow. You expanded my horizons. You gave me grace. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, but be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Realize that if you're in a wilderness today and you've been led there, and I'm telling you, even if you did not obey the Lord's word and you have been rebellious in your heart toward him, he is still there with you if if you're his child. He's still there. He hasn't left you and he's not forsaken you today. What shall we say of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I'm not comfortable now, though, God, uh, preacher. I'm not happy now, preacher. I, I'm not at peace, preacher. I'm forever fretting and I'm forever worrying. Hmm. I. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're not permitted to do that. Fret not, the Bible says. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which pass all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. we, We can't worry. Why worry? We can't change it. But but I feel like the world is closing in on me. I feel the pressure and I feel the weight of the world. I know you're going to have to find him. Don't blame him. Find him. Find him. Expect it. And you won't be so surprised. And you won't be tempted to blame now. Because you knew Sooner or later, it will come. I'm not talking about walking around going, oh, man. Whoa, whoa. That's not what I'm talking about. But you know the devil's got a bullseye on your back. And you know that God is going to allow you to be molded and made into the person that you ought to be. So expect it. And then examine it and make sure why you're there so that you can Glean all you can from the circumstance so that you can grow as much as possible so if you're there because of rebellion, you don't end up back there again. And then finally embrace it. Lord, I'm going to trust you. with it. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get angry. I'm just simply going to trust you and ride it through. I'm going to go all the way with you, Lord. Jesus himself was led into the wilderness. And again, contrary to popular belief, God permits the wilderness experiences in our lives to refine us, to temper us, to mold us into the person and the servant that he wants us to be. How do we need to deal with it? (laughs) Expect it. Examine it. Embrace it. I wonder, are you going through one of those times in your life? Well, they seem to come more often the older I get, to be frank with you. It just does, I, I got to admit. It, it just seems that if it's not me, it's somebody I know, it's somebody that affects my life directly or even indirectly. It just seems that, that there could be more that I would be burdened about, more that I would be weighed, over. you know, burdened down by. I, but wait a second. When I say, you know, <laughs> I expected that. All of a sudden, I'm not going, God, what's your problem? Why? I don't get it. I've loved you, and I've served you, and I've raised my family in the church. Why do you let this happen to me? That doesn't happen when I expect it. And then when I look at it, I say, okay, God, I'm not liking this at all. I don't understand what in the world's going on right now 100%. So I'm examining it. I want you to help me understand it now. I, the best you can while I'm on earth and you're in heaven, help me to get it. And then just embrace it knowing that God in heaven does love you. He does care. And that he does everything with a purpose. And you can trust him. Are you saved today? Do you know Christ? You say, man, I don't know if I want to come to the Lord if it means I'm still going to have to deal with problems. Uh, You will. I promise you that. But you won't ever be alone, really. See, when Jesus went out in that wilderness, (laughs) yeah, he came back. I understand that. But he's with me. So every time I go out now, Lord, we're out in the wilderness. It's not me alone anymore Amen. It's me and him And I just want you to understand The Christian life's the best life You need a savior today Or you're going to miss heaven You need a savior today Or you're going to miss life As God intended it for you to be lived if, if You need a savior today Or you're never going to be able to praise the one Who created you and gave you everything that you have You'll never be able to fulfill God's purpose for your life And you'll never be fulfilled unless you're doing that Get saved today. Trust Christ. Invite Him into your life. Allow Him to be your Savior and Lord. Father, we come to you.